Sounds familiar? Indeed, it's the sound of millions of entrepreneurs around the world breaking glass ceilings, bringing extraordinary value and incredible opportunities to their audiences and their communities. Hello, world. It is another beautiful, gorgeous Friday. We are in the fall month, almost November. Um, almost, um, what holidays coming up? Is it Halloween? Yep, scary Halloween. Ooh, spooky. Um, and with us today, we have Hannibal Collins. Um, but, but before we get into our conversation with Hannibal, which we're really excited about um, because he's already shared so much gold with us in our pre-talk, um, let me introduce myself to, to you. Um, you all know me, Tamar B., the co-founder and chief learning officer of TaylorMade by Pauline. And we also have another arm of the company, TaylorMade, where we just tailor make it all, um, including courses and workshops and webinars for corporations and individuals who are wanting to share the wealth of knowledge about their businesses with the world. So um, reach out to us if that's what you're wanting to do. There's just so much to learn, so much to know, and we want to help you make that a reality. Um, and my co-host, you all know. Hi, everyone. My name is Aisha C., and I am the co-host of the Startup Podcast and also the founder and style coach of the Sustainable Stylist LLC. We provide our clients, both men and women, with customizable and sustainable style, personal style options. That's Terrific. So let's get into the conversation. Um, Hannibal, uh, who I, I was saying to Hannibal that it feels like I know you for, ye for many years because I mom, you know, we are co-hosts, podcast co-hosts. We are in the same industry, fashion. Um, we went through the same um, business course at TIQC. So I've known Aisha for like a year and I felt like I've known Hannibal for a year because I hear about him all the time, but we just met today. So um, Hannibal, why don't you share with the world who you are, what you do and what brings you here today? I am Hannibal. I'm the executive director of FICO Finesse and we do affordable and effective credit repair. We help people improve their personal credit and to establish business credit so that they can have ownership of homes and businesses. And we want people to employ their communities and have generational wealth. So that's the, the big why, especially having um, home ownership. So I teach people um, all the five factors of credit, how they can improve their credit, what their consumer protection rights are, and how they can remove negative items, anything from evictions, bankruptcies, late payments, collections, all that good stuff can legally be removed if it's not 100% accurate and 100% verifiable. So I highlight that for people and let them know why things are not accurate and verifiable. And I have a paper delete option if they start with us um, where they pay actually after they get results. So I want to make the process uh, fair and transparent for people. So I give people an app where they can track everything and a portal as well. So that's mainly what I do um, as my day job, so to speak, is, is repairing credit. But I also invest. I'm a huge proponent of people investing as well. I just want people to have financial literacy, period. We just threw a successful uh, sold-out event in New York City with over 40 speakers. It was like realtors, developers, investors, uh, bankers, lenders, uh, everybody. So pretty much that's what I do, investment, real estate, um, technology, credit. So wow, I'm an you entrepreneur are. at heart. 
You are a powerhouse. That's what you are. Forget entrepreneur. You're like the next level of entrepreneur. Um, and we've had a lot of our guests be the next level. So um, thank you for joining that um, that awesomeness. Um, so what inspired this, right? Like, you know, you're talking about generational wealth, um, financial literacy, community seems to be a, a huge important factor for you. What inspired you to get into this work? So what inspires me is what we don't know that we don't know. Um, and I guess formal education is good in the formal sense, but it doesn't, from my experience, make someone wealthy, right? Um, just in, this is my opinion. Some people may beg to differ with me, but um, formal education will get you a great job or career. But no, in my opinion, no matter how much you make, you can make $200,000 a year. Your earned income is going to be taxed highly the more that you earn. Um, so I don't think people get wealth that way, especially since essentially you're trading time and your energy, your earned effort and labor for money. That's finite. Your time is finite. It's but so much overtime you could do. But if you start to invest or if you start to outsource and delegate, you can scale. You can't really scale yourself. Um, so I, I really believe that people build wealth when they invest and let money make money for them or if they develop multiple streams of income or if they have a system in place. Um, and, you know, I, I really think that's the true way to wealth. When I, when I watch people that are successful, there's a commonality in that. And I try to take notes and I try to learn from the experiences of others. So I don't have to do it myself. Um, I really, really, really want to retire young and, you know, do the cliche thing, retire my mom and all that good stuff. So, um, yeah, that's the, that's the impetus. Um, just always learning. I've, I've, I was uh, instilled with the with the spirit to always be learning, and, and thus, you know, you just know things that people that are successful do. There's very much a track record, and people be entrepreneurial. That's actually the backbone of our country. Innovation spurs everything. Uh, when people are entrepreneurs, they make small businesses, which grow to medium-sized businesses and large businesses um, that just employ other people. So, it's it's really a, a good thing for people to take the bull by the horns to embrace their failures and, you know, to learn and grow and scale from that. And everybody can benefit. Oh my God. So impressive. You sound like an exponential individual, exponential organization. You're just exponential. Um, and you said something that made me chuckle because I remember my mom has this, um, this thing in the kitchen, right? Like a, you know, the, like a, like a rag or something. And um, it said, if, if you're so smart, why aren't you rich? <laughs> so it's so funny that you say that, right? Because you're, you're right. I mean, I, I think the, the myth is, you know, you go to school, you get the highest degree you can, and then you're going to make the best income you can and, and be rich. Right. But that, I think that's a fallacy. I, I think, I mean, personally having done it, <laughs> I think it's a fallacy. So, um, I, I agree with you there. I agree with you there so much. Um, and I, you know, I think young people who listen to this, you know, what, what, what practical advice would you go, give them? Because I don't think you're saying to just drop out of school and not care about education because you are a highly intelligent um, young, young man. And so formal education, right, yes. was a part of who you've become. Um, Very so much I, so. I think, so what practical advice would you give a young person right now who's debating possibly? So practical advice, I would say augment and use it all. So I would say get formal education. Just don't leave it there. Just the same way as if you're, I'm not telling people quit their job. I'm saying while you have your job, have a game plan 
see what you're passionate about, try to endeavor and dabble in certain things, you are going to fail. Um, I just say don't lose enthusiasm when you fail. So um, they say nine out of ten businesses fail, right, statistically. I don't use that as this. It, everything's a glass half empty or a glass half full. Some people might say, dang, I'll never start a business because nine out of ten fail. I have a 90% chance of failing. I say if nine out of ten businesses fail, start 16, right? And nobody's going to think of you for the businesses that didn't thrive. They're going to think you a genius for the business that did. Company, um, it's called FICO Finesse. It's a credit repair company. It's not my first credit repair company. My first credit repair company was called Credit QB. And not that it's dead because, you know, at some point next year when I have more time or so, I can always revive it and make that flourish. But that didn't take off. That name didn't resonate with people, right? But FICO Finesse did. So no one's going to look at me and say, hey, Credit QB failed. If they see me being successful, they're going to say FICO Finesse is a great company, right? And it's not even my first. I had a, uh, a real estate company called Awesome Abode and No Hassle Apartments. And I had a, a dropshipping e-commerce company called Curated Cart. And all, all of these things, you know, they didn't really take off. And even my um, credit company, it didn't even take off immediately. It was maybe three years until it was, you know, profitable. And that's literally going to happen in business because, one, you don't know what you don't know. So practical advice to um, someone young, I would say get a mentor because a mentor will help you skip that learning curve and tell you all the things that you don't know that you don't know um, and actually help you make those steps to skip that learning curve. Um, I would say get formal education. But I would say be creative as well and understand early on that earned income will take you but so far. It's the least. If you talk to a tax advisor or, you know, um, a, a asset protection person, like a, a lawyer or something like that, they, they'll let you know that it's just not the way this country, the laws were written to benefit people. Like the, the tax laws are written to benefit people that are entrepreneurs and investors and things like that. If you get income, you're taxed way more than someone that gets passive or residual or portfolio or investment income. So why not earn income in that format and be able to write off everything, right? Or, or a lot of things. So that's what I would tell people to do. There's so many resources for free nowadays. You know, we have YouTube, we have Khan Academy, we have um, libraries, ebooks, audiobooks, all this type of stuff that's completely free. Um, so use those resources and learn. Um, always be learning because what you learn won't be taken away from you and you know you can always use it to open the door for yourself for possibilities and I would also say the network networking who you know is really powerful um, not being too shy when you're in a particular place having synergy with other people and partnering up it takes you a lot further than what you can do on your own anybody endeavoring on their own like it's not it's not the most efficient thing to do so, I love it. And, and you spoke to some of the challenges. I, I really want you to speak to the successes, right? So um, in addition to having a very sleek and just amazing looking logo, what are some of the attributed um, you think to the, to the success of FICO finesse over the other, the first one that you started? What contributed, I will always give it up where credit is due. What contributed was having a mentor um, because left up to my devices, I was that person that was the, the, um, the, what is it called? Is it called the practitioner? I was the person in my business that felt I had to be the expert and know everything and do everything. And I thought I was the most capable and the most caring in the business. 
And my mentor came along and said to me, Hannibal, it's great that you know all these consumer protection laws that I mentioned, the Fair Credit Reporting Act, the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act, the Fair Credit Billing Act, the Fair and Accurate Credit Transactions Act. Those are four that I just named. They sounded long, but each one of those acts are hundreds of pages long. And they're technical and they're boring and they're legalese. And I learned them and I knew it back and forth. I knew how to dispute. But my mentor said, that's great that you have this proficiency, but why are you doing it, right? My mentor said that to me maybe five times over and it went in one ear and out the other each and every time. I was like, why are you saying that? <laughs> like, it's great that you know how to do this backwards and forwards, but why are you doing it? She had to put the emphasis on different words at different times. It's great that you know how to do this, but why are you doing it, right? And I love Five. that you're shouting out a woman. It sounds like your mm -hmm. mentor was a female. Yep. <laughs> That's beautiful. So um, she said, why are you doing it? And then it finally hit me. She, she had to actually spell it out. It's like, you know, you, you, have to, you have to show someone how to do this stuff and have them do it. There's something called high value tasks that are like profitable tasks in your business. Um, and you should only be focused on those high value tasks and everything that's not that you need to delegate and outsource. And um, my, another one of my mentors, a male mentor, he's actually one of Robert Kiyosaki's business partners. The way he said it was anything in his business that's not a $500 an hour task, he does not do. Mm. Not to say that it doesn't get done, but he said anything that's not a $500 an hour task, he does not do. So he's going to appoint and delegate and outsource, you know, those tasks that are not $500,000 tasks that, um, that need to get done, but it's not going to get done by him. And the way I'll say it to young people to help them resonate with it better, I'll say LeBron James, right? He should not be getting the towels. No disrespect to anybody that gets the towels because, you know, every job is important, but not everybody can lead a team to success and to the summit of that team's career. For 10 years straight that's a real leadership skill set in the way he spends time with his body and you know galvanizes people and things like that not everybody can do that but you can literally get anybody to you know fill up gatorade and and, and wipe the floors and get towels and stuff like that so you should not as the leader of your organization you shouldn't be getting the towel so to speak you need to be delegating that to other people and the way you define those high value tasks is by setting goals you're going to set 10-year goals um that are very ambitious goals. They're not going to be realistic. Um, and when you set those 10 years, those 10 year goals, you deconstruct it and um, you, you break it down to a seven year goal, a five year goal, a two year goal, a one year goal, um, a six month goal, a three month goal, a one month goal, a two week goal, a one week goal, and then a daily goal. And that daily goal, when you deconstructed it down from 10 years, there's something that you can do every day that will, put you in a trajectory towards that 10-year goal and that's called the high value task and if you only do that one thing or a few things a day you're going to be on the path to that um and everything else is minutiae it's, it's like busy work that's not really productive and we need to eliminate that so we use what i learned from tim ferris um the 80 20 rule otherwise known as the uh Pareto's principle so 80 percent of what you do generates 20 percent of the results and 20% of what you do generates 80% of the results. So you need to eliminate that 80% of busy stuff, checking the news, checking your emails, all that type of stuff that feels like it's productive is not. And only spend time with that 20% of those high-value tasks and delegate that or eliminate that. Um, and that takes you a long way. Um, so doing all of that, setting your goals, defining it, surrounding yourself with other 
positive, progressive, intelligent, creative, uh, not scarcity minded people. That definitely takes you a long way is what, what I would say um, practically could help somebody that's young and not being afraid of failure. Just face it, embrace it, dive into it, do it scared. We got to do it. Okay. I could, I feel like, you know, you're watching those, um, the president's giving a speech and they have the sign language people and they're, or even the people who translate in a different language. I feel like you said so much that I needed to respond to after like every oh, minute sorry. that you spoke. <laughs> but anyway, what I will say is I hope listeners that you heard Hannibal Collins just called our podcast a high value task because he spent an hour with us and his <laughs> worth is 500 an hour. So we are like a $500 podcast. Thank you so much, Hannibal, for that. Um, but what I will say is I just read this article um, from Mind Tools and it's talking about the entrepreneurial skills that you need to start a great business. And as you're talking, I'm checking off the skills, right? So they're talking about personal characteristics, the interpersonal skills, the critical and creative thinking skills. And then that last piece that you're saying you do need, right? So you're not discrediting, discrediting it, the formal education, which is the practical skills and knowledge. But I think you're right that it's a combination of those four, right? It's not one over the, don't invest too much time in one over the other. Would right. you agree with that? Now, what, what I will say to people is another thing that is going to elevate, I, I want people to win, right? So anything I say to people is going to be very unorthodox. So I'm actually of the belief that you don't have to be the engineer, right, to get stuff. If I say to you, hey, let's start a dental practice, one of us might say, okay, I got to go to school to be a dentist for 10 years and get my credentials and be a dentist, and then I could open a practice. I would venture to say, no, you need to hire someone that's qualified to be a dentist and open a practice, and you don't need to be a dentist have a dental practice. You're just like the investor. You own it. You want to be the business owner and not the business operator. And everything has to be delegated. And that's how you grow and scale and succeed and flourish. Otherwise, I mean, you're going to be slaving your life away. In my opinion, this, I'm, I'm really young, so I really don't have the answers. But from what I've seen, from what works, when I pay attention to the track record of what works, that seems to be more of the path that works. And you know what? That's what knowledge is. It's what works. So you don't even have to say, I'm young, I don't know. Like, you do know, because that's what you're living and that's what is flourishing like that's the approach that wins right so if it's the approach that wins it's the right approach right so I, I love what you're saying Hannibal thank you so much for all these golden nuggets um I'll close before I pass it over to your mom um Aisha oh did we say that did we tell the audience <laughs> that Aisha is your mom <laughs> this is nepotism on this podcast um, <laughs> uh, but notice guys how long it took us to get Hannibal right we've had like five guests um, before Hannibal. So what does that say about him? Um, that he's highly sought after. But um, my final question to you, and you know, you've been watching successful people, you've been watching winners. So what's on your vision board? Based on what you're seeing winners doing and, and what they're up to, what's your 10-year plan that you've now deconstructed into a five-year plan, a two-year plan, a one-year plan? What are you up to? My 10-year plan might sound outrageous because it should. Um... My 10-year plan, I said I want to have $82 million by 45 years old, and I want to have a billion by 60. Um, and I'm very, I, I'm not, I believe in it. I'm really going after it. 
unrealistically, right? Um, and when I said that earlier, I meant to tell you guys about something like someone I look up to, Elon Musk, right? His goal is to go to Mars, which is a almost lucrative, uh, it's a lucrative concept, right? You're going, Mars is not habitable. It's like hot, it's dusty, it's no water. Like, why are you doing that, right? But because that's his goal, some very far-reaching goal, everything else is realistic. So because he wants to go to Mars, he, a private company, is doing what NASA never did, right? Who's a governmental organization. He launched tens of thousands of satellites for himself and other countries. He launched private citizens to space. He relanded and reused rockets, which was never done before. He landed a rocket on a raft in the middle of the ocean, which is not a stagnant thing. Like it, it doesn't stay still, right? So you do major feats when your goal is really, really crazy. He also has Tesla, right? Which is a really large electric car company. He also built a boring company that did a tunnel from Las Vegas to California. So when you have really outlandish goals, everything shy of that seems like just out of this world. So don't shoot for something small, shoot for something big. So my whole goals list is full of crazy stuff, like literally. Um, if I wasn't using my phone right now, I, I would pull you it up and give you guys examples, but I have unrealistic things on there. And um, Will Smith would also talk about having very unrealistic goals. So just picture my goals list being really, really outlandish stuff. Um, and yeah, like literally right now, because my goals are so crazy, I've literally been traveling every month since like last August, once or twice a month to different countries and things like that. Um, I but just, I'm sure 15 year old Hannibal would have thought at 15 that pulling off a seven figure course um, that was uh, super successful was was unrealistic then, right? So a I lot think of things are unrealistic. I, I flew, I don't have my driver's license and I co-piloted a helicopter and I flew a small plane, right? So um, that's because I wrote it down. The only I, thing that makes it unrealistic is time, right? So right now it sounds unrealistic, but uh, with your spirit and your drive, you're you're there <laughs> just time the time isn't there and the plan and deconstructing your goal and surrounding yourself with other people who are like-minded that's literally the recipe you have to write your goal down i didn't realize that or grasp it or put it into practice until i was 30 which wasted a lot of time um because i think people have introduced me to the concept well before probably when i was 20 and i've seen my best friends do it and it worked and they were always excelling and I never, my best friends, Arthur Bernier and um, Jonah Charles. Um, no, no, I mean, Arthur Bernier and, um, and, and, and Charles, um, both of them wrote goals down and it would be by their mirror and stuff. And they would literally be the top of the nation of what they do. And Arthur, he was my age. We graduated high school. And by the time we was like 22, we actually worked at the same entry level company making $11 an hour. And by the time he was 22, he bought his first house, then his second house, then the Bentley. And I mean, why did I not put two and two together? They literally wrote their goals down that were crazy and they worked it backwards. So if you surround yourself with positive, progressive people, you're literally going to be the summation of the 10 people you spend time with most. So I'm very cognizant and I curate my circles, you know, friends, families, even our romantic partner is really important who you choose because you literally are going to be the sum of the 10 people you spend time with most. So that's how you do it, like writing those goals down identifying by deconstructing it, the high value task, eliminating everything else, surrounding yourself with the right people, being consistent and believing in what sounds crazy and everybody around you is going to look at it 
like is crazy. It's gonna be like the Kanye West kind of paradigm, even though he is a little cuckoo. But like, just believe you have to believe in yourself to that level, um, and and then you're gonna you know succeed. Okay, hashtag quote of the day. You're the sum of the ten people you surround yourself with. True. Okay, Hannibal, that's all you. Okay, copyright it. Um, not, I, 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 that's not original at all. Not even. Oh, it's original. not. What? No. Well, you you fooled me. So I've seen quotes that are like multiple people attached. So now you get to attach. Just add a word. Switch a yes. word. <laughs> Make it yours. Um, Aisha, what do you have to say to your son oh, other than how God. proud you are? Exactly. And I just think, you know, like it was a plethora of extraordinary ideas and advice that he has shared with our listeners today. And as you said, I have to reiterate what you said. It was so much that it's really hard in my mind to like piggyback on any one of them in particular. However, because I think as startup entrepreneurs, ultimately the goal is to have revenues viably speaking. And when your mindset shifts and you're not thinking about earned income and you can begin to embrace the concept of building wealth, that that serves as a great vehicle for us to begin to do that, especially intergenerationally speaking. So the fact that he is my son and that he's taking that concept way beyond what I even imagined, it's incredible. And not only that, speaking to our community, like our values for the, for the community to, be, to, to not only do it for himself, but to impart this information to help others so they can do it too. Yep. He's so, definitely not holding on to secrets, which is rare for someone who is so successful and so bright, right? Like usually they, it's like, I know it and I won't share it. Um, you, I, you, I value you that. You can't do that though. Um, what I would say to people is um, it might not seem like it's the case, but the more you are around successful people, you'll realize to be successful or, or to be successful and be happy, you can't have a scarcity mindset. So um, you you can't hold on to it either because, I mean, we can't take it with us. So you, especially when you have something that's bigger than you, you start to think of the world more than yourself. Like if you ever have, you know, when, when you have kids and things like that, you're like, hey, what world do I want my kids to live in, right? So it's not just about what I get for myself, like, no one in history has ever taken it with him. So what can you do to make the world better or to make people around you, you know, flourish? And there's so many people in the space and it doesn't take away from what you're doing. So it's better to collaborate. You make more of an impact and you can help each other. Like how, how my business actually grew is I was in um, masterminds and groups with like 400 other credit repair business owners. And we helped each other refine our standard operating procedures and do the best practices and things like that. So don't think, hey, I'm a hairdresser, she's a hairdresser, she's a hairdresser. We gotta be at odds. Think, let's collaborate. But um, there was another thing I wanted to tell people that was really practical to help them when they're getting from that transition from working to working on their own. It's a mindset thing, and I'll try to be really, really brief with it. Um, 
when we're getting a check, we have the stability of getting that, knowing every two weeks we're going to get paid. Um, and it's hard to fathom working for yourself and, and, and flourishing. But if mindset-wise you, again, deconstruct stuff um, of how much money you need to make, you have to understand that when you work your job, you have to be but so productive to keep employment, right? You're capable. They hired you because you're capable. They're not going to pay you $80,000 a year if you don't generate more productivity and revenue than $80,000 a year. So something about your skill set is capable of that. So you need to find out how to augment yourself, how to either have partnerships or synergy or um, hire other people or partner with other people to do the things around what your skill set is to deliver a good or service or value to the marketplace. And you need to know how to monetize that. But um, once you do that, you just need to work backwards and think, how much do I want to make a year? I mean, a month or a, how much do I want to make uh, any, any measure of time, uh, a month, uh, a week, every two weeks? When you deconstruct that, you'll be able to make more than what you made from your earned income. And it's not going to seem like it's so, but just give yourself a quota productivity-wise. I didn't really uh, describe that well, but that's the concept I wanted to tell people. It can be done. Um, just deconstruct what you're making. Evaluate how much you make right now. Um, also, have you have to invest no matter what you're making. I would say um, most wealthy people do a concept called pay yourself first, where that's where you invest 10% of what you make and save 10% of what you make. Um, there's more levels to that, but if people do just that, it's not what you make, it's what you do with what you make, and you need to let your money make money for you so you can start to go to a different level. And before I pass it back to Aisha, I just I have to respond to what you just said. I, I, um, I attended a conference yesterday sponsored by the Exponential Organization Group, um, and they said exactly what you said, right? The obstacle that entrepreneurs face right now it's not even though we all say we need more money we need more money it's not really financial capital it's that human capital like how do you find the talent to do the good work you know to do right like you're saying if you could multiply yourself to do all these different tasks to then generate the 80 times if you're worth 80,000 if someone's saying you're worth 80,000 and then you get five people on your team Right. Like, how do we generate all that wealth by replicating ourselves, by finding the good talent? Right. So definitely you're identifying, I think, um, a, another myth or debunking another myth that it's not really a financial capital problem, but it's a human human capital problem. And yeah. you're going to fail, guys. Everybody listen to this. You're going to fail. And it's OK. You're going to fail. Yeah. It's OK. Lean into it. Um, embrace it, learn from it, try to do it faster, you know, as fast as possible. Um, there's, from my experience, you know, a bunch of stuff, there's theory and textbook and we can read and we can study, but none of it measures up to the real life practical application of whatever you're doing. When I took the real estate course, it was not like real life, 10 years in real estate. None of it was like that at all. When I did investment, right, I, I could read all the books and watch all the Bigger Pockets podcasts and all that type of stuff. I can learn all day and listen to mentors, but until we actually took over a unit in the Bronx and foreclosure for the company I was working for and the previous owner, like he still owned the property, we had to notify the new tenants that we're the new owners and the previous owner is there and acting irate and no one spoke English and the cops had to get called and stuff like that and we had the actual paperwork that we were the owners. Until you go through that really in person, 
Like a textbook is not going to convey that to you. So you have to get your feet wet and whatever you're doing. But the best way to do so is if you have a mentor that's been there a bunch of times and trained maybe 10 people how to get there, that's how you can, you know, assuage your fears and stuff like that. But you definitely need to take that step at some point. And you're going to fail and it's okay and you're going to learn and everything's not going to take off. But keep going and learning and just, just keep going. So I love the fact that he's reinforcing the value of relationships, reinforcing the value of transcending your fear, reinforcing the value of taking action, you know, getting your feet wet. Um, also, just he, he just covers so much ground for entrepreneurs to just think about in their earlier stages of their process. But the most important thing is to um, create those relationships. That's really important. So I really like the fact that he's speaking to creating relationships and emphasizing how important that is. And also, you know, not being afraid to ask for help, whether it's by virtue of, you know, looking for or finding, identifying a mentor or just being a part of like a collaborative group. So we, can, we can't do it by ourselves. And I think that that's an important message to emphasize for um, startup entrepreneurs that you need to work with like-minded people. Beautiful. So we'll close out. We don't want to, um, you know, overstay as they would say, right? take up more of the time than you've given us. So we'll finish up today's episode um, with what we call our favorite, uh, the lightning round questions. So Hannibal, here's how it works, right? I know you're a thinker, you're a talker, but we want you to just say what comes to mind immediately when I ask you these questions, okay? Okay. okay. So don't give it too much thought. Um, are you ready? Yep. All right, awesome. So here we go. So what brand or person would you like as a strategic partner? Tesla. Okay, wow, oh, that was great. I was ready for that quick miss. Um, what book would you recommend for a startup entrepreneur? The Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss. Hmm, okay. Um, and travel, you're a man who travels. Where would you like to travel for business this year or next? Well, it have to be somewhere I didn't go, um, Peru. Peru. Hmm. Okay. Um, and what is your favorite travel destination, either personally or for business? Dubai was my favorite, but it's also my first because it was my favorite. Um, but I probably would go again because they keep reinventing themselves. So. Huh. I wish we had more time to talk about what you mean by that. Okay. Um, and how do you relax? Um, travel is how I relax. And it sounds crazy, but as many projects as I have, I have to travel like once a month or I will literally burn out. So travel is my pastime um, or concerts, concerts and travel. Okay. And I have to amend this question because the amount we have listed here is not, this is like pennies to you. So let me um, revise it for you. Um, so drum roll, please. If you received a grant for 
eighty million dollars. How would you apply it to your oh business? My gosh. <laughs> okay, maybe that's way too much, but he's so in you know his his ambition is way greater than one million. So I wanted to like you know make it big, make it big. Make so it ten million. Okay, ten million. Tell ten million, but that might still be pennies to handle. No, for but, now. I mean, for now. Because yeah. 10 million. ambitious in his 10-year ten ten year goal. But for now, what would he do with it now? What would okay. I do with 10 million? Um, yeah. The same thing I would do with any amount of funds I ever touched from a dollar. Um, and on a, I really believe in investing um, every single time. So I would invest. I would probably invest in having more staff or marketing or more systems and things like that. But I definitely would invest it because when you invest, like it just multiplies residually. On and on and on. Like money is finite. Ten million can go, even though it seems like a lot. At some point, it's going down. So anything not growing is dying. So I definitely would invest. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Hannibal. And where can we, our lovely listeners find you? Where are you? Yes. Um, so the best place to find me everywhere around is um, Hannibal10k.com. So that's Hannibal10, Hannibal10k.com. That's going to have every single single link that you might need from me, from credit repair to our academy to any other resource that I might have. So Hannibal10k.com. Um, also, my company is FICO Finesse. So if you type in at FICO Finesse on Instagram or Twitter or, or Facebook or anything like that, or you just look at my name, Hannibal Collins, you should find me. But Hannibal10k.com, it'll have my number, my email, all that good stuff, uh, links to do a consultation with me. That's the best way to find me. Any closing last words for our listeners? Yes. Invest. Don't be scared to fail. Partner with other people that are like-minded. Someone's going to resonate with you or have the same mission as you. Um, but yeah, don't do it scared. I'm doing stuff scared as we speak. Um, this is a, we're trying not to make this podcast really long, but just take my word for it. If you're, if it scares you, do it anyway. Oh yeah. Thank you so much, sir. We are so honored to have you. Thank you, thank you. And we can't ha wait to have you again, I mean, sooner than five years, but we would love to hear some of the things we're able to check off in five years, but definitely sooner than that. Yes. And also to be able to expound on some of the things that you spoke about. Yes. Because there were so many different areas that could have, you know, been spoken to at a greater length, you know, for our listeners. Absolutely. But we'll have to have you back, Hannibal. Absolutely. We greatly oh. appreciate the time that you have um, devoted to our podcast today. Yes. And I want to just say from a personal note, like I've learned a lot from him because there are areas that I have encountered as an entrepreneur where it's definitely scary because it's the unknown. And like I've learned how to work with, which I think is important for our listeners, to overcome our fears. And to be able to realize that on the other side of fear is success. So if we use that, fear can teach us a lot of things. Like it can teach us, like he was saying, to um, you learn lessons from, you know, out of your failures. Like you have a failure, but you can also learn from them. So I would like us, I think that the mindset piece is important too, really important. Because our mindset is how we shift our behavior, our habits, and our practices. So once you look at that and work with that, I think that 
you'll be able to um, embark upon whatever your idea is that you want to make a reality. Let's do it. That's it. Thank you. I love it. The last thing I would say is uh, pay it forward. That's it. Oh, yes. Definitely. Okay, thanks again, everyone, for listening. Thank you. Till next time. See you next week. You can share and engage with the Startup Podcast on Anchor FM. Share and follow us on Spotify. Subscribe to our podcast because you don't want to miss key takeaways from entrepreneurs from across industries and different stages of their enterprise journeys.